there. You're listening to the Jasmine Star Show. I just started this show with, hey there. <laughs> am I awkward or am I on? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> You're listening to the Jasmine Star Show, a conversational podcast for business owners all over the world, like the ones you're about to hear from today. Yes, y'all, you know I love me some curator coaching. This episode is a recording from a recent coaching session I had with social curator users who graciously trusted me to give them advice in their business and speak truth into their minds and their hearts and their business structure. I'm sure that no matter what industry you're in, you're going to be able to take some of the advice I gave and apply it to your business. Mm, Let's get ready to take some notes. Let's dive in. Hey, I'm Jessica, and I am a money coach that helps female service providers to reduce their debt, maximize their income, and also improve their money mindset. So my question is, um, because money is one of those topics you don't like talking about, how do I use Instagram marketing to get people to feel comfortable talking about money and then eventually trusting me enough to basically invest in my program? I love that. And I think that right there is everything. I love objection-based marketing. I love it. Give me a good challenge. In fact, on the inside of SOS Selling on Social, it's a whole course. We have a whole lesson dedicated on overcoming objections because it's what I live for. And maybe it's because I dropped out of law school, but let's break this down. Everybody will come up with a reason as to why, in your case, they don't want to talk about something. But guess what? They also come up with reasons why they don't want to buy something. People also come up with reasons why they don't want to do something. And we come up with reasons why we don't want to say something. We are naturally, we're hardwired as humans to be safe. And oftentimes, we dress safety as sameness. And so very often I would venture to say, although I have no, you probably have a lot more um, background and education on this. I would venture to say that people venturing to stay the same copy what our parents did and what their parents did and what their parents did. And so we never talked about money. Now I have to tell you, Jessica, that I never spoke about money ever, which might come as a surprise to people who listen to the podcast because I now very much talk about money. And I now have learned to talk about money by walking into a room where it became normalized. And I looked around and I realized for the first time that the people who have money talk about money. And then I realized that the reason why people like me, brown, female, first generation, stay stuck is because we don't talk about it. And so we need people like you, Jessica, to give us the permission to talk about it. And so now the question becomes, but how? By doing what you just said, we don't talk about money. That is, that is at minimum a weekly Instagram series that we don't talk about money Monday. You have a post and then we can actually talk about the why. Why don't we talk about money? There's at least three Instagram posts and I'm using Instagram as a single platform. If where you find your customer or client is on Facebook or LinkedIn or TikTok, whatever the case may be, that could be it. But you could just imagine, um, you could bring on a psychologist why we don't talk about money. You could br- come on, uh, bring on a therapist on an Instagram live or a YouTube live why we don't talk about money. We could talk about family origin. We could talk about why certain classes of people don't talk about money. And guess what, Jessica? It's going to be decisive. Blue collar people be like, you don't, you don't know me. Well, here are some analytics. Here's some, and the minute that you can discuss what other people don't, are you willing to talk about how much 
money a recent launch brought in? Are you willing to talk about money failures and stories and narratives that brought you to where you are today? We must embody the thing that we want and expect of other people. So now let's get into a little practicality. But hold, hold on, Jessica. How are we feeling right now? No, I like that. I love the Money Mondays idea. That is just such a great idea. I don't know why I never thought about that, but I love that. And here's the thing. We just opened a neuro pathway in your brain because you're not going to become dependent on me. I'm not going to be your little Jiminy Cricket shitting on your shoulder, giving you a bunch of content ideas. But all of a sudden you're like, oh, I never saw it that way. And guess what? The more that you marinate on that and the more that you stay committed to your money mindset Mondays or whatever that segment then becomes and you start getting consistent questions and then all of a sudden it leads to more content. And then Mm -hmm. the minute that you get into your money mindset Mondays and you do six of them, they all fall flat. And all of a sudden you hit number seven and somebody asked a really good question. And it was like, pop, good. Repeat that question in a slightly different way. We want to regurgitate the thing that has lit somebody else up to ask further questions. But now let's get into the how. If we follow the social curator HIC formula, hook, insights, and call to action, we are going to front load that front part with somebody's objection. I'm going to ask you, Jessica, you can guess. Why don't you think we talk about money? Because families didn't like me. I'm Ghanaian. My families didn't talk about money at all. So that is probably one of the major reasons. And also because I just feel like it's one of those topics that people are just like, no, don't don't say how much you get paid. You know, no one wants to know that, especially as females as well, which is why I'm working with females because I feel like it's so core to us. I was like, no, I need to change this somehow and I will change it. So yeah, that's why we don't talk about money. So what we just got was your objection. No, you shouldn't talk about how much money you make. And now that's going to be our hook. Has anybody ever told you you shouldn't talk about how much money you make? Hook. Because what happens is that right there, somebody's going to be like, no, no one's ever said that. But your target audience, probably women of color, probably younger, probably millennial-ish, probably somebody who has a little bit of money and trying to figure out like, what do I actually do with it? They're going to say, yep. And the minute you have that, oh, now in order for them to read more, they're going to have to click on the read more. You just asked or you named an objection, right? Has anybody told you not to talk about money? And anybody who ever says yes, really like, if yes, Then, and then dot, 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 have them click on the read more. And then we get into the insights, two to three insights. And you say, and this is where Jessica puts a stake in the ground and talks about why people use money as power. People use it as uneducated. People tell you that you shouldn't talk about it and it becomes anathema. And then you get into the call to action. What do you want them to do? And then if you want to go guns a blazing, you can go into my first year starting a business. I made 7,000 pounds or $7,000 whatever the case may be. And you're like, my second year of business, I made 9,000 and I worked another job. My question to you is if we want to reframe what we do and how we talk about money, I'm going to ask during your first year out of college or during your first year in your first career, how much did you make? A lot of times people aren't ready to go in and say how much money they make right now. But oftentimes it's like, how much did you make in your first job? You're like, in my first job, I made $13 an hour. And taught me good work ethic. How much did you get paid on your first job? People are like, oh, $9 minimum wage. We slowly start building up. But objection-based sales tactics to build trust work over time because they're not really tactics. They're just conversation starters. So let's pull back a little bit. 
We go back to the original question. How do I get people to talk about money? You get people to talk about money to first bust the objection as to why, give your insights, give people the permission, and then position yourself as an authority to be trusted so that when it's time for somebody to look for financial advice, investment, of course, whatever it is that you offer, they're just like, there's nobody but Jessica because she's been real with me 100% of the time. I love that. No, I'm definitely going to try that out. Okay. So if you really did like the idea of like, um, and you're going to, you're going to put your own twist on it. You're going to name it your own thing. How many weeks would you like to have like a money mindset, like theme? So it's going to be dedicated post at minimum once a week. Cause we're all about taking action. How many weeks do you want to do that before you take a step back and assess, did this work or not? I'm going to say six weeks only because on the 24th, I'm actually doing a launch. So then it'll be like halfway then or two weeks in. So then after that, I can then analyze whether it's actually working or not, but I'm sure it's going to work. It's beautiful. beautiful. Jessica, how can people find you and your amazing financial prowess on the interwebs? Absolutely. So I'm on Instagram mainly. So my name is at Jessica Nawa. So Nawa is for N-A-R-W-E-H. And my website is www.jessicanawa.com. I love that. And just for the American contingency, uh, here in America, we say H and in Australia. <laughs> where, Jessica, where are you based? London. Okay. And, and here's the thing. I just talked to somebody else who said H as well, and she's from Australia. So Americans, we say H. So it's Narwith, N-A-R-W-E-H. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Jessica, thank you for being here. I appreciate thank you. Thank you. It's been amazing. Thank you. Hi, Jasmine. My name is Nina. I come all the way from Romania and I help my clients get more speaking opportunities through podcast interviews. So I do all the backend work. I make sure that my clients have everything in place, like their bio, their one sheet. I do the research. I send the pitch email, the follow-up emails. And I also got a chance to help some of my clients with their own podcasts. And I saw what kind of pitches are put out there in the world. I've also invested in my business. I bought programs and I'm part of some amazing memberships. And now I would like to start teaching people how to land their first or next podcast interview. But since I'm a service provider at the moment, I've never done a proper launch. So my question is, what should I be focusing during the pre-launch? And what should be the first step in order to promote my first ever program? Beautiful. So a clarifying question, Nina, is what are you selling? Are you selling a course? Right now, I'm only selling services, but I would like to start selling a four-week program. Great. So are you currently in pre-launch or when you say when I launch my books? Okay, great. So you're just thinking about the pre-launch in addition to the program you will eventually launch. Yes. This is beautiful. I love the fact that you are clearly a planner. You are clearly getting ahead of the game. And so when we have a focus on sales, it is always in your best interest to be proactive than reactive. And that's exactly what you're doing right now, Nina. You're thinking, who do I need to become and what must I do to get sales? Instead of being in the middle of it and saying, I'm not getting the results that I want. What do I do now? So this is beautiful, beautiful. This is the luxury of time. So What I'm going to encourage you to do is that far before, like right now, Nina, you don't have a program, but I want you to behave as if you do. 
And so your behaviors, when you have something to sell, something that's consumable changes because you end up understanding that you need to create content consistently to incite demand. Every business owner who ever wants to sell anything must not just have an impeccable product or service. They must be able to become their own promotional company, their own marketing agency, their own PR firm. They must do everything on the front end to remind why somebody should buy and why they need it. So far before you ever launch your program, your objective, Nina, would be to talk about the importance of podcasts. That's it. I want you creating so much content around the importance of podcasts so that your name becomes synonymous in Romania and then abroad that Nina, she's the person who you want to go to, to learn about why it's important to be on a podcast, the power of podcast, what podcasting platforms are different, the best. In fact, uh, recently on the inside of social curator, there was a member, uh, by the name of Christina and she is a social media manager. And she went in and she asked a question, what are the best planning platforms for people who manage multiple accounts? And she got a little bit of feedback. And then what she did is that she went to, I think some more of 20 different planning applications. She got their prices and breakdown. She went back into the group and she shared, if anybody's managing multi-accounts, here's a breakdown of the top 20 options, their lists, so that you can find out what's best for you. Nina, that content was so valuable, not for me. I don't manage multiple accounts, but for the people who manage multiple accounts, they were like, you just did this. I can't believe this. So Nina, if you go through and you talk about the differences between hosting your podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, if you talk about Anchor versus uh, talking about creating on your own site, you create that type of content. We're not selling anything. And it positions you as an authority. Then when you get into pre-launch, we play a slightly different game. But I think you have a question right now. Yes. So I will focus only on guesting on podcasts. So not managing the podcast. Well, what's your, what is the offer? What's your program? Is your program how to get land? Exactly. That's what your content. I love this clarifying question. That's what your content should be. Your content should focus and highlight on the very thing that you're selling. Now, Nina, I know that you could talk about 47 different podcast-related topics and you would kill them all. I know that. I don't want you to do that because I don't want you talking about something that you can actually sell when you launch your program. So your content leading up to your pre-launch is establishing yourself as an authority. And then once you have your program complete, and it has been uploaded, and you have a series of promotional emails ready to go and a landing page for them to be able to sign up for a class or a challenge or something that they can get to know you a little bit better before they decide to buy. Once all of that is set up, and once you decide, this is when I'm going to open the doors to the program and when I'm going to close the doors to the program. And when you first launch a program, generally speaking, that's what I suggest you do. It's not a hard and fast, but based on my experience, you learn a lot forcing people to say, I am in or I am out. So at least the first time you're going to have an open and closed period. Once you set the end date, once you set the date that nobody can buy the program after that, I want you to work backwards for weeks. Now you have already 
positioned yourself in this authority. You've already created content. You've already incited desire. And then four weeks before you close your door, we're going to focus on what we focus on in issue 19 on the inside of Social Curator, which is your promotional launch plan. I'm going to give you the breakdown, but if you'd like to go deep and have exact templates that follow that four-week structure... That's going to be an issue 19. Week number one is what you call your warm up sequence. This is when you're reminding your audience now that you aren't just an authority on how to land podcasts. What you're doing is, I have a lot of experience helping these phenomenal people land their dream podcast. And now here are results that they're getting. You're warming your audience up to see you as the person, the linchpin that's actually creating magic for other people. And then what you're going to do is, after the warm up, you're going to get into the nurture. This is where you incite desire. Have you ever wished that you can land those podcasts, but you don't know where to begin? That week is just reminding people, that is what I want. That's why I follow Nina. I want what she's doing for her clients, but I can never afford her, or maybe I'm not ready. And then in week three, this is an invitation to get more information. This is to uh, join a class, join a challenge, join a video series, something that's going to give them more information about your program. And then that final week, week number four, this is what we're going to call your closing sequence. When you want to close your sales as well as close your doors, every single one of those posts on that week is going to be like, this is why you should buy. The doors are closing. You're going to get the desired benefits. So what we just broke down far before we ever get into that pre-launch period, we have to first establish yourself as a credibility, as an authority, content, content, content pre-launch, invite to some sort of educational component, have a deadline sequence. And on that day, you will celebrate a job well done because you are proactive and not reactive. Wow. Thank you so much. I mean, oh, there are so many things to do, like not only the content that I need to create, but then also you mentioned like the landing page and the email sequence and all the details that would that will lead to selling and pre-launching the program. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Nina. And we can look at this exact situation of all the things that you have to do. <laughs> How about we reframe that? Of all the things Nina gets to do, Nina gets to do this very thing. Nina gets to create her future and Nina gets to create and Nina gets to empower other people who might not be able to afford her services to be able to become the masters of their ship and the captains of their destiny. You get to do that. Now, what I'm going to invite you to do is to extrapolate yourself to unshackle, to like release the handcuffs of saying that Nina needs to do this by a certain time. Because you and me, Nina, we come from the same area. We're like, oh, well, it's got to be done in 90 days. I'm going to do this in 90 days. Mm -hmm. Great. I hope you get it done. Let's just say in 90 days. Let's just say you, I want to get it done in 30 days. I hope that you get it done whenever you want. But I also don't want you shackling yourself and beating yourself up if you're not hitting the timeline as you want. You will get it done. Absolutely. And so now we focus on that. What you get to do, you have the ability and you will get it done and you're going to get it done in your own timeline. So Nina, on the inside of Social Creator, we practice accountability and we practice action taking. So of all the things, we're just going to remain unattached to this deadline. But in a dream world, Nina, in a dream world, how many months is it before you're closing the doors to your very first signature program? I would say four months. Beautiful. We're saying in 120 days, Nina is going to close the doors to her first signature program. And that sounds like a really, really great thing.
And so Nina, because we're all about action taking, once this call ends, because you're going to feel like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm ready to go. I want you to write on a note card, on a piece of paper, what Nina's going to do when she closes the doors to her program. Imagine who Nina is. Imagine where you're sitting. Imagine what you're wearing. Imagine the weather. Imagine what you're going to drink and what you are going to eat that night. As we go in and we are preparing for a launch of SOS Selling on Social Curator, we close the doors on January 28th, 2022, and I have already made dinner reservations. I have already picked the bottle of champagne. I already picked my outfit because I plan on celebrating not the results, Nina. I plan on celebrating finishing. I am not and the work control. and the work. That is right, Queen. We celebrate the work. We celebrate that we said something and we did it. We cannot control the results. We control the work and the energy that we get to that point. So Nina, pick your outfit, pick your food, pick your drink, pick the weather. And on those days that it is hard and frustrating and you want to pound your head on the desk because they will come. You're going to imagine what you're going to do when you close those doors. Nina, how can people find you and your podcasting magic? How can we find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Nina underscore M-A-C-A-R-I-E because it's so hard to pronounce my name or my website, OneLuckyStar.com. OneLuckyStar.com. I absolutely love that. But honestly, for me, can you pronounce your last name? Makaria. Makaria, beautiful, beautiful. Own that name. We, Americans might not be able to say it, but you're going to keep on saying it until we can. Thank you. Doll. You nailed it. That good. Thank you so much. See? I appreciate you. Hi, my name is Pam Grice, and I have a business called Crochetpreneur, where I help crocheters go from overwhelmed hobbypreneur to profitable crochet CEO. So, um, yeah. I love my business so much. Um, I am crochet a retired. CEO. I love this. So it's like, I, I love this. It's like a CCEO, right? A crochet right. chief uh, executive officer. Okay. Yep. So um, I'm a retired psychotherapist and a six figure crochet business owner. And so I kind of joined those two passions to create this um, business coaching program. And um, it's going exceedingly well, better than I ever anticipated. Um, and it's really exciting. However, I struggle with social media so much. Um, my question is, I feel, so I know this is all things that I make up. I feel like social media is a young person's game and it's going to make me cry because I'm so emotional about this. (laughs) Mm. Pam, what we're going to do right now is we are going to express gratitude because you are speaking for tens of thousands of listeners who feel just like you. And so you are in the fortunate position to be a voice for people who are afraid and unable to voice that they feel that social media is not a space for them, or perhaps they feel like outsiders. Now we know, we know this is patently false, but how we feel versus reality We must reconcile now before we ever get into the actual deployment of a strategy. So thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing this space. Thank you for being real because you're not representing you. You're representing somebody else. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a feeler. Okay. So I'm like literally a baby boomer and I feel like I know the 
the kids are like boomers <laughs> don't belong on social media so i'm just trying to figure out how to get past this so like i have so much to share um so much help to give people so much passion for what i'm doing the people i'm helping but i feel like i can't get my message out because i'm a I don't like to be in front of the camera and I don't know what to do for reels and I'm not dancing. Um, mm. So I'm just trying to figure out how to get through this so that I can create a strategy and reach more people and make more impact. Mm. So years ago, somebody hit Jasmine, are you an Intuit? And I was like, no, of course not. I'm an Intuit. And Pam, in 2023, you're going to make a reel. And you're going to do things in 2023 that you never thought you were going to do. And when that happens, I can't wait for you to send it to me. And I'm going to be like, I told you. But before we ever get to that, there is not a strategy in the dang world. There's not anything I could say. Hmm. Because you can't be an enemy who has an outpost in your head. You have the enemy inside you and you're trying to beat it. And the enemy is you. Mm -hmm. It's just you, Pam. So Pam is in a boxing ring, ring with Pam mm -hmm. and then Pam beats up on Pam and then wonders why she's tired, exhausted all the time. And the other version of Pam beats up on the other version of Pam and says, you'll never do what you want to do. So the only way that Pam gets out of the boxing ring and gets the enemy off the outpost that's in her mind is to do. That is it, ma'am. It is to do. And it is to do on a few conditions. This is not warm and fuzzy. So if you came here for a hug, you came to the wrong place. I didn't. So <sighs> They're going to have opinions. Mm -hmm. And they're going to say things. And growth is going to take longer. And people you love are going to say things. And strangers are going to say things. And what if your deepest, darkest, most hurtful thing that somebody could say and leave a comment, hashtag boomer, hashtag what are you doing, hashtag this is ridiculous, I can't believe you got up and did this, is anybody watching this, how ridiculous, do you think people care, all of that will come, every single bit of it, and worse, and it's going to take you longer than you expect to write the post, and it's going to take you longer than you expect to go live, and it's take you longer for you to get that traction, and then there's going to be people in your membership who are actually paying you to teach them wonder, what are you doing? And it isn't until you do it so often that you become the very thing that you desire. Because if you told me, Pam, that you, however however old you are, because girl, in my mind, age ain't, age ain't nothing but a number, and you tell me, Jasmine, I'm going to become a ninja. There's many people who are like, that Pam, she thinks she's a ninja. How ridiculous. But then you go on stories and you're practicing with your nunchucks. And then you go live and then you show me that you have a samurai sword. And then a couple months later, you show me your new ninja outfit that you bought. And then a few weeks later, you have just your phone up and it is doing a slow-mo of you practicing in your dojo. And then over time, you show me so much content that when I look at you, I'm like, that Pam, she's a ninja. Why? Nothing changed except you showing me what you were doing. Mm -hmm. You as a crocheting CEO is always the same person, but I don't see you that way because you're not showing me. And so the only way that you become that idea and that thing and that desire to people is if you show them. But the only way that you show them is if you do. 
So the question then becomes, are you willing to be seen? Are you willing to be laughed at? Are you willing to be mocked? Are you willing to do it wrong? Are you willing to do it bad? Are you willing to do it stupid, ugly, old, young, big, small? Because if you don't say yes to all of those things, you will never get in front of the camera. You must say yes to every ugly, stinking, awful thing. If it is not a yes, you are going to stop yourself. It will be terrible. The first mm-hmm. time you do it, and it will take four or five, 10 times longer than what you expect it to be. And the more you do it, the faster you become and the better you become. And the more you do it, the less they talk. And the more you do it, what they say changes. And the more you do it, your success will silence their doubts. But your success will silence your doubts. So that's so much so that when somebody says hashtag boomer to you, you just laugh yourself to the bank. Because what you are doing, sweet boomer of mine, is making yourself a legacy. You're making more money than they could make in three years. Why? Because you're showing up. And I'm sorry, sweet Pam. If you came here to get cuddled, I want you to go on. On TikTok, and I want you to search hashtag boomer, and you are going to see people who are older than you doing a far greater job than what you were doing. If you have seen one person do it before you, it is proof that it can exist. So, Pam, the decision is now yours. Are you willing to do it in the most awful, ugly, horrific, hard, long way? Yes. Okay. Now we just have to work. So, Pam. I'm not going to ask you to do the big, crazy, scary thing because you're like, I'll never do a reel. Okay, no problem. I'm not going to ask you that yet. What is Pam going to do that is a little bit uncomfortable? And then how often are we going to do it? Because we're about action and we're about accountability. So you tell me what you are okay with right now. Well, I'm much more comfortable on Instagram than on TikTok, but I'm... Feeling called to be on both places um, because that's where my people are. So, I mean, honestly, gosh, I really just need a kick in the butt. And so, like, I'm willing to, I'm willing to do a reel, like, by the end of this weekend. (laughs) Okay. 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 Good. So, by the time this podcast drops, that reel should be posted. Okay. Okay. Good. So, Pam, why are people going to see this reel? I'm on Instagram at The Crochetpreneur and Facebook at The Crochetpreneur and TikTok at The Crochetpreneur. Okay. We started this conversation, ladies and gentlemen, was saying, I'll never. And then I said, okay, by 2023. And then homegirl says, okay, by the next (laughs) couple of weeks. Uh, Well, it's for you. It'll be less than a week, but for our listeners, I'm going to say a little bit later. So, and maybe, maybe Pam, by the time our listeners find you at Crochetpreneur on Instagram, you might have two reels. We don't know. We don't know. So I want to say thank you for being the voice to the voiceless. And I want to say thank you for helping those who once felt helpless. You stood on the path and you built a bridge for others to follow. I appreciate you, Pam. Now go ahead and do the dang thing. Thank you. I will. Mm. Thank you, Jasmine. My name is Arantasu Delao. Arantasu is my first name. Delao is my last name. I love it. And um, thank you. I created a wellness community called Madre Soul. 
and I help high-functioning women be their true best self and build self-esteem after breakdown. I do this through practical mind and body rituals so we can develop a lifestyle that promotes health, wholeness, and personal development. Uh, I envision a world where women are confident and connected to their uniqueness, and that is my calling, and that's something that uh, I always had and something that I work through. So that leads me to my question. Um, I don't want to overwhelm my customer with all the things. Um, how can a wellness coach merge all of her strengths? Mine are meditation, food, fitness practices, with a few strategies to, to jumpstart and grow this private membership, and then also make other offers that truly come from the heart and help our ideal clients. Ooh, girl, I have lived in this world, lived in this world. So memberships, specifically when they mm -hmm. are diverse. Now, all interconnected. I totally know. Uh, meditative space, body movement, health and wellness, mindset. I mean, pr journal practicing. All those things are super connected. However, when somebody goes into a membership and then have all of that, the, the biggest point of churn, the biggest reason why somebody will churn from a membership is because of overwhelm, hands down. Because what happens is that people go in and even though there's a lot of resources, they feel like they're not using them all. And so then what happens is they're like, I'm not using all, I'm not, however much your membership is, it could literally be $4, $40 or $400 a month. The minute somebody feels like they're not using it all, they feel like, ah, I'm wasting money. I need to be out. So I think that the kindest thing that you could do to your membership is to have different points of origin as to what their desired is. So somebody comes in and they want to focus on meditation they would be on a meditation track. Somebody comes in, they want to go into soft body movement. That's the thing that they select. Now here, it might take a little bit of massaging from a tech perspective so that when somebody comes in at a singular point of origin, what they just see is the thing that they initially came into the membership for. And then what you're creating is an aspirational model that the longer that somebody stays into the membership, the, the more access they get to everything else. Now you might think, but wait, Jasmine, it's not going to be enough value. It is. People feel better about their financial decisions when they're actually using the thing that they're investing in. And so on the inside of Social Curator, we are planning on doing this in 2022. What is it that somebody wants? Do they want to focus on getting access to the photo gallery, getting actions to the tap and templates? Do they want more access to the group coaching? Depending on what they want is what they're going to be seeing more of so that they find more value in getting access. Same for you. When somebody comes in at that single point of origin, they should first and foremost see the vast majority of content related to the thing that it is. And then once they're in the membership beyond three months, then you can introduce what other thing would you like? Same price. You already have this content already built out, but they feel like they're getting more value over time. And then you're serving them up in a very specific way. How does that feel right now? It feels great. Um, I understand the, it's, it's kind of when you go to university and you pick your track yes. and to be exciting, right? To then like go on to the next thing. Yes. Um, so would you suggest, I have a private Facebook group. Would you suggest that everyone that comes in starts with one track or how would I manage mm. various interests? So is your membership on a separate platform and then you just have one group for everybody that's in the membership? Yes. So all of my members are right now in a private Facebook group. And anyway, so. Wait, do you have a membership? 
or are they paying to get access to the group? They're paying to get access to the group. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They're, okay. They're, they're paying a monthly like fee to be in the group. Oh, girl, you asked the wrong question, the wrong girl, because I'm going to ask you to up level. Because what I want you to do is to invest in a membership platform. Okay. Uh-huh. I actually was, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I was like no. really thinking about this. Like I, I want to go there. Oh, well then that's it. Like this is the reason why somebody's overwhelmed is the same reason why we get overwhelmed when people come into the social security group. They come in wanting one thing specific to their industry and we have to address what it means like to be in that community and we talk about segmenting. But if you have a membership and it's paid access to a group, you don't really have a membership. You have a paid group. And so the strategy becomes very overwhelming for somebody new. If you say you have a membership, I need it to get on a membership site. And that's where you can start segmenting that single point of origin, front loading that content and then giving them access over time. So different membership sites, like anything from Searchy, I think Mighty Networks would be a great Great start for you. I think that uh, Stu McLaren is starting a membership called Searchy. I don't, I'm not getting endorsed or plugged for any of these, but friend, the kindest thing that you could do for your business is to invest in a formal membership site so people start finding value in what it is that they're getting. In fact, how much do people pay to be part of your Facebook group right now? $44 a month. Girl, you're getting $44 a month for a bit. I'm going to clap you up, queen. That is some gangster trash right there. That's amazing. I would offer the people in your Facebook group an opportunity to sign up for the membership at $44 a month, right? So it's going to be an increased, enhanced experience for them. But they have to do it in a a certain amount of time, like let's say two weeks. And then after that two-week period, anybody who's going to get into the membership is going to have to pay $55 or something more. You want to put value add on the membership, make that they're in the membership because that's where you want them because you could better serve them there and get data analytics and customer information and how many times they're logging in, who's downloading what versus in a Facebook group, you actually don't know who's using what resources when. So then now what you would do is you can do a Facebook live, you can do an Instagram live, you could run $5 ads to be like, do you want to have increased your meditation practice? Here's an introductory offer for a free class. And then all of a sudden you give them access to a free class. And in that free class, you're just like, okay, if you would like to practice daily meditations, join my membership here. And you send them to your membership site. And that, my friend, is a tailored experience to first meditation. Be like, congratulations, you're entering month two. I'm also going to give you access to uh, a health and wellness food routine or something like that. You start adding more value the longer that they're in the membership, but you're also decreasing the overwhelm on the front end. Mm. Awesome. And just to clarify, that sounds great. Um, What is the difference? You're saying bring them in as a private paid and then the membership, I may be confusing both. Yeah. So I think, I think that there's going to come a point in time where you're no longer selling access to the Facebook group. Like they only Mm -hmm. get access by being a part of your community. And at that point they're going to be paying more. And so I don't want you to forsake people who have invested early on in your groups. You want to honor those things. But the minute that you close the doors to only getting access to the group, the only way that people get access is by paying through the membership. And then you're going to be adding them into your group. And then when they stop paying in the membership, they're also taken out of the group. Okay. So is, is, so is there a difference between when we started this coaching thing, I said private membership versus private group. I thought it was the same, like paying a monthly thing for a private group. And um. Okay. So I thought you were selling a private membership. You're, you're selling access to a private group. 
But the thing with Facebook mm. is that you don't get any information from the content that they're consuming. You actually don't know what is the most popular content. Like when you have right. a com- when you have a membership, you have data, you have analytics. And here's the thing: it's like you have the ability to sell more when you have customer information. That when you have a membership, they have to give you their email address, their phone number, or things of that nature. And then you now are building out a business that's not dependent on a public platform like Facebook. What if tomorrow Mm -hmm. Facebook decides to cancel all Facebook groups? Not that they will, but you're not in ownership of that. And so Mm -hmm. now what you have the ability to do is that on the back end, you have a membership. And if somebody's card expires, you now know, like you can send an automated email by way of your membership. Like you're running a legit up-leveled business instead of being dependent on a social platform. Awesome. So I can maybe merge um, all of my current private members in their private Facebook group to a membership site is what you're saying and honor them and then bring in more. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And then over time, when you have seen enough people move over to the paid membership, you can make a big decision to say, I'm no longer having this private, this private Facebook group. You will no longer be charged and get access. But if you would like to be part of the private membership, you could do so here. And then it becomes a very different game you're playing. Okay. I know. (laughs) I know you just drank from a fire hydrant, but I promise you, you're going to look back at this conversation. And if you deploy on building out a membership, not a paid group, you're going to see how much your business can grow. You're going to see new opportunities that you didn't even exist. It's going to feel very heavy in the beginning. I promise do the work. You will see the fruit of your labor mid-year. Oh, thank you, Jasmine. And thank you for just acknowledging all of us to follow our gut because that is something that I was thinking about um, at the end of last year and membership. Mm-hmm. Um, Go mm-hmm. through one of those powerful membership sites like Mighty Networks or so. Oh. Thank you. Thank you a thousand times over. How can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at Arantasu de la O. Um, so it's at Arantasu de la O on Instagram or madresol.com. And we can go from there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for being here. I am Carissa Higgins. I help mostly mompreneurs in the space really build a bold brand so that they can differentiate themselves in this DSAMness, I like to call it, <laughs> and really ultimately drive their business and impact. I'm all about the impact. Um, and my question is well, I have a coaching business and then I also have a clothing boutique. So, I'm struggling on, especially on Instagram, on how do I share both of those? Because I'm building a brand, obviously, but I want to I be able to share them clearly and consistently that makes sense to my audience. And I don't know if combining a coaching program on branding and then sprinkling in my boutique is the best way to go about it. So let's go back when we have a focus on sales, which is ultimately you want. You want yes. sales in the boutique, and then you also want sales from your coaching, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the tension might be, and this is just a genuine question based on how well you know where your sales are currently coming from. Is -hmm. the person who's buying from your boutique also signing up for your coaching? Sometimes, yes. When we say sometimes, are we saying like 5%? I would say probably like 25 to 30%. Wow. 25 to 30% of somebody who's buying from your boutique is somebody who's hiring you as a coach. Because they want a brand. Yes. Okay. That's a very big number. 
So you're telling me that out of every hundred customers at the boutique, 25 of them are hiring you as their coach. Gosh, it does sound like a big number, doesn't it? I'm not asking you to doubt it. I just want a lot of clarity because it shapes the answer that I give. Most, yes, there are a lot of people joining. Yes. Okay. And this boutique, it's an online boutique to where you wear the clothing and then you link to the clothing. Yes. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I believe before you have a coaching business and before you have your online boutique, you are building your personal brand. And people want a piece of your personal brand. They want to dress the way that you're dressing and feel confident the way that you're stepping into that. So my question then becomes, where is your current revenue streams? What is the percentage of boutique sales? And what is the percentage of coaching? I don't need exact numbers, but what is the percentage of revenue that is coming from the boutique? I would say probably 40%. The rest is coaching. Okay. And going into 2022, do you want your boutique sales to still be 40% of your revenue? I'd like to up it. So you would like boutique sales to be more than 40%. What is the percentage that you would like them to be? Mm. If I could move it to 60, 60%. Great. And at the current time of this recording, how often are you making boutique posts on Instagram? Probably every other day I do a post about the clothes. Yeah. Okay. And how often are you posting on Instagram? Every day. Great. So now (laughs) what we have is some real numbers. Four out of seven posts are about the items in your boutique and you are creating 40% of your revenue that you want to increase to 60%, which to me, some back of the napkin math, we're going to have to increase your clothing post to be around five or six posts a week. And this is going to require a lot more content creation and a lot more styling. It's going to require a lot more thought in the plan in the content that you're planning to come, but that's okay because the extra time that you're spending will at the end of the year be indexed for all intents and purposes by an increase in sales because people won't buy what they do not see or what they do not understand. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to increase your sales and you are the source of your sales and you know that when you show something or you demo something, you see an uptick in your sales and then your only objective is to create more of that type of content. Mm. So would you say it'd be overkill to create two different Instagram pages? No. No. (laughs) No, it would not be overkill. No, it would not be overkill. In fact, if you have the bandwidth and wherewithal, I would 100% go to that. 100% go to that. 100%. You will see a greater return on investment over time. It won't happen quick. That's for sure. That is for sure. It will not happen over time. But the beauty about creating two accounts is that you speak so clearly because quite honestly, Chris, I don't know if I would shop from your boutique. Number one, I've never seen your boutique. I'm sure it's fabulous and I probably would spend way too much money there. But I don't know if I would be a boutique buyer, but I might really be a coaching client. Mm-hmm. And I might, I don't know if I'd ever be a coaching client, but I might really be a boutique client. The more you specifically speak to one singular customer on one account, the more effective it will be. But in your case, you're not necessarily yeah. selling just your clothes and you're not necessarily selling just your coaching. So you're seeing the tension between your followers being like, I'm not really sure how I feel about this particular post. But the minute that you go to a fashion only, people know why they're there, mm-hmm. you know, that they buy from you. They want to know the next post. They want to see those types of stories instead of what's your morning routine like? (laughs) 
coaching clients want to see that. They do. So if you have the bandwidth for two accounts, I would 100% recommend that. If you do not, then I would just use your current account and over-index a little bit more on the fashion side if that's the revenue stream you'd like to increase. That was great advice. I, I, it's like I needed that because I've been wanting to create another account so I can have that clarity mm. in my audience. Like I just want clarity on both accounts. Mm. So I, I know I can drive business once I get that clarity honed down. So I oh. think I needed that validation right there. <laughs> and here's the thing, Chrisette. It's not you. It's never you. I see this yeah. all the time. And if I can just crawl through the internet and grab you by the shoulders and remind you to trust your intuition, you knew the answer before you asked the question and you wanted somebody else to co-sign, which I get. I am so empathetic. I want the same thing, but you are powerful and you yeah. know your customer and it has been an inkling and a calling. And we're just like, but, but, but no, no, no. Anybody who's mm-hmm. listening, that thing that you feel in your gut, do it. You know, it's right. And you're scared, but do it scared. And you yeah. will realize that at some point in time, you made the right decision because you bet on yourself. You're in control. You knew the right answer before you're going to do it. Now, what are we going to do? Action, action, accountability. When are you going to start? There's no rush either. I'm not going to try to rush you on this one, but when do you think you're going to start your second account? I'm starting my second account. I'm I'm just saying it next week. I can start it. I have the bandwidth. I can do it. I'm just going to do it next week. I'm starting. Boom. Ooh, I and I absolutely okay. stinking love all of this. Now, okay. currently, we're not going to talk about the next account quite yet. How can somebody find your current account and then follow that journey as you iterate from there? Uh, I'm at Carissa Higgins on Instagram. Um, I'm also active on Facebook, Carissa Higgins. And then I have a website that I'm also creating to amp up, and that's come carissahiggins.com. Good for you. Own that mm-hmm. space, own your power, mm-hmm. own your intuition. Thank you so much for being on the inside of Social Curator. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Jasmine Star Show today. If you enjoyed this coaching session, I would love for you to let me know. My goal for this podcast is to serve you better. And I don't know what you like and what you don't like until you tell me. So please, Shoot me a DM on Instagram. Yes, I respond to my direct messages at Jasmine Star. Let me know what you think of these coaching sessions. Let me know if you have uh, ideas or advice for future episodes. Really, we make the podcast for you. This is me asking you, tell me, please, what you would love to hear. And I just love connecting with podcast listeners. So drop me a line. And if you are a social curator user who wants to be featured in a future episode, keep an eye out for when I post the application in our private community. So curators, keep your eyes peeled in the community. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.